Welcome back to 12 Rows Back, where we bring you footy talk from the fans' perspective. We are two-thirds of the way through the year, and we are starting to see some clear premiership contenders break away a little bit in the eight, with a few different sides jostling for position in there. Uh, as I welcome my co-host, Tom. How are you travelling, Tom? Yeah, going well, Seb, and uh, as always, good to see you on a recording night. Uh, short, sharp round this one, five games. It was uh, a classic on Friday, and then... Probably one for the fans of the teams involved throughout the rest of the round. But look, now we're into it. Back half of the year, we've got uh, just, yeah, that, that journey towards September. And this, look, it's probably going to get a little frosty. This is the depths of winter at this point. But yeah, like you say, that, that jostling of uh, positions in the eight and the top four and even top two is what we're all about. So bring on that back half of the year. But uh, yeah, short, sharp round, I thought. Yeah, it made the uh, result on Friday night that much more critical between the dogs and, and the cats. Uh, a classic eight-point game, yeah, you might call it. Uh, but, yeah, you're right. The uh, the other four games, are, I think they're the sorts of games is why name a game went out of business. No one's <laughs> really ordering those, are they? Um, great if your team won, but uh, if, you, if, if you didn't win, you just sort of write it off and move on. And there are some clubs in there, you know, the Suns and, and the Blues, who probably just were really hoping no one saw them. Um Although there were still some pretty good moments produced. So there's a lot to dissect and get into. We've got our university grades. We've got a couple of mailbag questions. Um, Looking forward to that. And I want to talk to you about that Gary Rowan. There were a couple of great goals. Gary Rowan and Toby Green kicked oh, yeah. two fantastic ones. Uh, but before we get into it, just a little reminder, if you can, rate and review us on iTunes. Uh, follow us on social media, at 12 Rows Back, Instagram, Twitter. Uh, we're always happy to have a chat with the fans and and interact. Uh, but we're actually going to start with a little, I'd like to call it an exclusive, although it's starting to float around through the internet, but it's not on the AFL website yet, so maybe it's yep. not official and we're bringing it to you. Uh, crowds of 25,000 will be allowed at AFL games this weekend in Victoria. Um, which is really the only state that matters, as you know, Tom. Yeah, I was going to uh, say, how's that uh, that sitting? I'm sure uh, that's that's getting the airtime that it usually does, as it, as it does. My word, we've actually got the uh, Giants Hawks game relocated from Giant Stadium down to the MCG, which will uh, please Hawks fans. They've got to get out and watch their team win another one. Obviously, they weren't allowed to watch last week. Sorry, couldn't go. That got moved to to Launceston, uh, and we've got not. There's no percentage cap here, Tom. They're allowed 25,000 at the, at the ground. So the open air of the MCG can only have 25,000, which is 25%. And Marvel Stadium can have 25,000, which is about 43% capacity. Uh, With a roof closed too. I, I'm, not, I'm not a health expert, but uh, that's a bit of a quirk in the, in the figures. I would have well, thought they would have favoured yeah. a percentage, but, uh, you know, look, I'm, I'm just happy footy's back in our state. Yeah, no, it's a real indoor virus, this one. It loves a roof closed and inside. Um, it's great to get crowds back. I can't believe we've gone to not sure if people in regional Geelong can go when they haven't had a single case there all year to, oh, let's just bring 25,000 into these games. And we've got nine of them um, starting on Thursday and going right through to to Sunday. Um, it's just it's good. It, it'll feel like round one again this year when we can finally go back to the footy fans are allowed back in and it will add that add the extra atmosphere that is just needed to sort of experience the game the right way yeah absolutely i mean you can't uh 
can't argue with Friday night with the, obviously we'll get into that in a sec, but, uh, you know, the crowd there to celebrate it with Gary Rowan, I'm sure it had a million times more oomph with the crowd, even a 7,000 person crowd there than it would have in an empty stadium. It would have been basically all the, the hoots of the Cats boys uh, that you would have heard. But what I'll be interested to see, and this is just a quirk I like to look at, it was 7,000 in that game and it was all on one side. So I'm just wondering uh, just what the plan is at the G and at Marvel. I, I doubt you'll see them all on one side, but yeah, just I guess the, the quirks of security and I guess the ability to just to maintain the whole ground. But I'm tipping, I guess, maybe a, a top level might be shut, but it'll be basically a, a spread out crowd for those games at the G and at Marvel this weekend. I hope they put the crowd camera side. Yeah, that would make sense. So we can see the crowd there in this interaction. Um, there was a moment in that Friday night game where uh, it was classic country footy where uh, ball went into the crowd and Isaac Smith had to jump the fence and go and retrieve it. A uh, good uh, Redan boy, he, he would have uh, done that out in his time in Ballarat. Um, but yeah, that that is classic local footy. I mean, so the games we're looking at, uh, you know, Saints-Tigers, dare I say that, probably cracks the 2025. Uh, oh yeah, the Richmond fans will be ready to come and see a, a mauling. Yeah, <laughs> they just might. Uh, Frio Collingwood would be an interesting one, given how Collingwood's travelling. That might not get anywhere near the 25, that one. Dons v uh, Melbourne, I, I've just watched to. this Essendon fan group go berserk by beating 17th place Hawthorne. Uh, they're, they're thinking of the top eight, so they'll pack this one out. That'll get the 25, and then Hawks don't like to turn up on a cool Sunday at the best of times, so I'm not holding my... Uh, I'm not hoping that one will get to 25. And then Blues fans do turn up. I'll give them that. And they've got Adelaide at 440, which isn't ideal. So, look, there'll be a couple of Must little, win uh, for the Blues. Must, must win. win. Like, for the coach's career. Yeah, not must finals. Win. Just a must win. So, look, I mean, it's it's not a bad round, actually, to roll out a, uh, you know, the sort of new, new fan restrictions and caps here, given that, yeah, there's probably only a couple that'll push it to real capacity. So, look, yeah... Fans back in Victoria, I think the AFL will enjoy that, Seb. Yeah, my word. My word. AFL will enjoy it. Fans will enjoy it. Players will enjoy it. And um, at the end of the day, the bottom line, the the money for, for the game, it needs to come back into the game. And no crowds hurt last year, so we certainly don't want that happening uh, for any further extended periods, given just the sheer amount of people uh, the game employs. So... As good as that was, let's talk about the one game in Melbourne with crowds last weekend. The Dogs played the Cats. Uh, we had the Dogs leading when the final siren went, and Gary Rowan just came in and just... he. Everyone's saying he's the best... People have been saying he's the best set shot in the competition now, after after he's kicked it. No one was saying it before he's kicked it. So, <laughs> you know, well done, everyone. Hedging, you, can see the him, there. you can see him kick the match winner under pressure. Oh, yeah, he's good. Uh, were you saying that before? He's always been a pretty good set shot, but you know, he normally doesn't helicopter them in like that, does he? He doesn't normally put them so far right to left. Yeah, well, that's the interesting point I found. So, yeah, full credit to uh, to the kick. But, yeah, just hearing some of the Geelong boys in the media after, uh, I think Joel Selwood on Triple M, and I'm pretty sure Tom Hawkins was out there, the ball just doesn't do that at that end. And that's from two blokes, obviously, that have played a lot of games down at... Uh, the cattery there so it just I mean he he didn't flush it but it just came back absolutely brilliantly for those fans and I think there was some footage that uh, came out from the cats from a fan in the stands of it 
bending back. It was a, it was your classic sort of Hollywood kick. So a huge, huge moment as well. Like we said off the top, it was an eight-point game. So that kick, I mean, you sort of look at the Zach Bailey earlier in the year. That was, you know, what supercharged Brisbane. Well, this just might supercharge the Cats. And really, uh, yeah, they made that huge statement against the Dogs off the back of that. Yeah, yeah, and it was really important for their ladder position because that now sits them equal with the Dogs on points and a game clear of Brisbane and Port. So if they'd lost that, they were right in that hunt between... They would have been fourth yep. and only percentage ahead of fifth. So very important for the Cats to to solidify that one. Um, you mentioned Zach Bailey kicking that match winner. So the Cats play the Lions. They have to travel up there to the Gabba. That will be a ripping Thursday night clash. Um, you know, I found this little bit of trivia out about uh, kicks after the goals after the siren. Do you know Alistair Clarkson kicked a goal after the siren to win the game in his first ever game of AFL for North Melbourne? That is a great stat. I, I knew he, you know, he played for the Roos and the D, so I wasn't sure which way it was going to go there. But that that's huge. That, that's yeah. underrated. I didn't know he'd done it. Period. But yeah, his first game came out and uh, slotted one after the siren, which. As they say, I don't know if you've heard this, but it's every boy's dream to do that. That does don't know come if that up got a fair any Yeah, well, look, I could give you a a bit of trivia back. He was the first player to kick uh, the goal to win a game after the siren for two clubs since Big Bazza did it. So he, he did it for the Dogs and uh, did it while he was playing for the Saints as well. So just a, a rare club he joined, Rowan. Obviously, uh, he kicked that one a couple of years ago. I think you remember against the Dons. I think they were 20 points up with two minutes to go and Sydney stormed back with a few late ones and he kicked the winner. So, yeah, bit of, I mean, that was 10 metres out. But look, this this kick, kick of the year, dare I say, uh, you know, considering the moment. The moment, the four points, everything, you know, the, the sliding doors, everything that comes back in off it. Famous um, dogs huge. win, you know, if he misses it as well, you know. Yeah, yeah, they don't win many down there, um, and it was huge, and look, full credit to both sides, they performed, and I mean, we'll get into it with our university grades, but they put on a real show for second versus third, and um, you just, that if that game went for another minute, it could have gone the dog's way, like it was just seesawing the whole day, um, Tommy Stewart was outstanding yeah Jeez, intercept, pers- intercept marking record in that game it, it, unbelievable I mean yeah I'll, I've had an eye on him for a few years I'm going to claim that um, you know the tutelage of Matty Scarl and Corey Enright he's basically the ideal backman with that kind of knowledge coming into his uh, repertoire and he, he's just showing why he just just gets in the right spots and yeah the, the team helps him out by making sure he can get to them and he just takes them to the next level he's yeah in the conversation for best backman in the comp, depending on what you like in your backman. Yep. No, I look, between you and me and our audience, he is the conversation for best defender in the comp at the moment. Um, do, do you want to, should we start our grades? Yeah, let's, let's get, get right straight into the grades. grades. We've got we're, a big mailbag uh, from what I'm hearing. So, yeah, look, straight off the top, yeah, the dogs just shaking their heads would have been an absolute famous victory there for them. I mean, they, they didn't do a whole lot wrong. Um, you, you sort of, if you didn't catch the game and looked at the scoreworm, I mean, it was bouncing back and forth for basically most of the second half. So it was as finals-like as you could get. Um, and, and the Cats just straightening up at the end there just gives them the world of confidence. So, I mean, losing Mitch Duncan does hurt, but, you know, 
Isaac Smith, 30 possessions, his best game. You know, Zach Tui, we spoke about Tom Stewart. You know, Paddy Dangerfield getting back into it. I know he kicked three points, but he, he's just finding his way. Parfit, he found plenty of the ball. Lots to love about the Cats. I mean, yeah, Libber, Bont, McRae, Daniel, they're, they're the regulars for the Dogs. I mean, losing Aaron Norton probably was a bit of a game-changing moment, you would have to say, Seb. Yeah, he's a big, big contributor to that side and straightens them up very much. Uh, but I, one thing I thought... One of the dog's weaknesses is that defence, yeah. and neither Cameron nor Hawkins got a hold of them. And I thought that was probably a real big takeaway yeah, for the point. dogs that they managed to sort of contain them as best they could. They still kick three, but I've been there. Been weeks between them and Gary Rowan, they've been kicking eight, nine, ten. You know, so uh, I think that was was one of the reasons the dogs were able to sort of hang hang tight and hang in there. Uh, there were a lot of a lot of contributors right across the ground. What did you make of Sean Higgins being not dropped? He was managed from last week's side and has ended up coming in as a sub. It, it was uh, <laughs> classic classic Geelong, I think. They are the masters of the, the late team sheet and the late uh, withdrawal. So they do love to play a bit of those psychological games with the team sheet. So I guess this is just the 2021 version of that is to drop a bloke and then sneak him in as a uh, medical sub. Yeah, so I didn't like it personally, but you know they're not going to change. That's they've done it for years, so that's just a little something in their kit bag. Well, there there were laid outs that led to this, right? But you had Zach Guthrie who didn't play in the VFL game prior, and who then wasn't named the sub. He, Higgins was instead, and they asked him about it, and he said, "Oh, and this isn't word for word, but I'm sort of paraphrasing here. Oh, I don't really want to answer that question without telling you something that I'm not prepared to tell you." <laughs> so he basically said, oh, there was a reason, but I'm no chance I'm telling you, uh, which I love from a coach. Like, he's doing the right thing by his team. And I just thought it was a funny way to respond because we know the Cats have been, like, they've got the uh, the late change in their repertoire. That's in their, their bag of tricks. They pull out every week pretty much. And uh, this was one of the stranger ones. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, speaking of, of Scotty there, I mean, how was that reaction after the siren too? I, I've seen celebrations, but I'm not even sure I've seen that level in a, in a finals win from him. This this was huge for him. So, look, anyway, we've, we're loving this game. It, it was the standout game of the weekend. Part of me wanted to give the dogs a distinction in a loss, but I'm not going to quite go that far. Um, I mean, well, maybe I am. The Cats, for me, it's a HD. This is one of those classic ones where, I mean, one kick just changes grades. But it's definitely a, uh, a HD for the Cats, given that the Dogs are top two flying. Yes, it was at home, so you, you do take that into account. But you, you're beating an absolutely great side this year. So they're a HD. And, yeah, look, they, they were plucky, the Dogs. I'm going to give them a distinction in a loss. Yes, it's a strange grade to give, but I really liked everything they did. They did everything except win the game. So, uh you've got to love their effort, particularly yeah, going down there to the Cattery. So HD and a D for me, Seb. Yeah, I'm giving double distinctions. Uh, the Dogs, look, they did everything right and they led at the final siren but didn't get the win, uh, which is a very tough ass down there. Uh, as far as Geelong goes, yes, they played outstandingly, but look, didn't cover the line, so can't really give a high distinction for that. And if this game was anywhere but the Cattery, they get a high distinction, but down there, everything was in their favour to get this win, and they did it, did it well. Um, but uh, just, 
just maybe had to win by three goals to get the HD from me. But look, they've got a chance this week against Brisbane. Win that, and I dare say there'll be a HD uh, in the in the not too distant future. I like it. And uh, there you go, Cats fans. I can give you guys a high grade. Uh, Saturday afternoon, Port Adelaide versus the Suns. Again, I'm pretty sure I've I've spoken about Suns games in this way, but this played out exactly how you would have imagined it. Maybe not the low-scoring nature, but, I mean, Port Adelaide, we know how much they love to beat up on bottom eight teams. I mean, I was listening to the commentary coming into this game and, and they were sort of talking about the potential danger game for Port Adelaide, this this one. They just didn't turn up the Suns. I mean, Took Miller can hold his head high again. Um, you know, he's a bit of a one-man show. And obviously, Hugh Greenwood, with his tackling, he, he's always there. So you can rely on that. But otherwise, it just dropped away. And yeah, I mean, you're, you're looking at a side here that's just really, really low on confidence. I mean, two goals, four to three-quarter time, that that's unforgivable. I mean, Ollie Wines, he's the story in this game, really, if you want to take anything out of it. He had 43 and was absolutely everywhere. Um, Brownlow Smokey, I'm hearing. So I, I think he's been in good form. I mean, you look at some of the names uh, on the goal sheet in the possession. Your man, Stevie Motlop, 2-26. and 26, um, Would have enjoyed be a little looser um, manning up there. Uh, you know, kind of rosy. He had 3-19. and 19. Charlie Dixon, 2-16. and 16. So... Dare I say, these types that need to stand up in these big top eight, eight-point games, I don't... Yeah, you can do this against your bottom eight teams. Now it's on them to do it in the big ones. So, um, I mean, I can't... I'm sending the Suns to the coordinator, but I can't give the power anything higher than a pass. Yeah, the power got the job done, but this is this is the Port Adelaide we know. They'll beat up on this side and uh, come a real side, they, they tend to struggle, so... Uh, they play Sydney this week, which is probably the perfect test. Uh, yeah, look, I, I can't add too much more to this game. It wasn't one for the ages and not one I circled on the calendar. Um, a couple of good games for some Rovers boys. Miles Bergman, probably unlucky not to get a rising star nod. And, and Carl Amon's been really good for the power this year. 26 and a goal, yeah, which is which is no, which is a nice day out at the office. Uh the only other person I'd like to say something about, Tom, if I may, uh, Ben King has only had three touches, but he's kicked two goals on a day where his team's kicked four. So probably from a lack of opportunity, he's still fought and done pretty well given the circumstances. So He's uh, putting together a great year. I'm pretty sure top five in the Coleman as we speak. So he, he is a rare shining light. And look, obviously the Saints part of me says just oh. venture down to Moorabbin, but... The Gold Coast and AFL hat part of me says, sign him up ASAP, Suns, for God's sake. He is a shining light for them. Yeah. Here we are talking about the Saints, Suns, and the power. Brief the Saints mention. haven't played this weekend, and we have to throw them in. And I knew you were going to mention, oh, he'd look good down at St Kilda or something along those lines. Uh, that's all right. One day we might get a podcast without the Saints hat on, but not today. Uh, I'm with you on the grades, though, Tom. The Suns can see the coordinator and... Might, dare I say, might be looking at a Saints-style suspension and uh, the power get a pass for getting another win. A bit of percentage boosting, but uh, there's nothing there that we didn't expect uh, from from them. Twilight game down in Tassie. This would have been cold and dark if you were there in person, Tom, let me tell you. I uh, can imagine. North Melbourne hosting the Brisbane Lions. This one was shifted from Marvel. We got some semblance of a crowd, but not too much. Uh this game was on up until three-quarter time. 
and I think uh, there's a little uh, there's a lot of criticism of North and some of it fair, some of it not. But I think the fitness level just isn't there uh, for us at the moment. And there's there's a couple of elements in play here. When you've only done one, two, or three preseasons, you're still behind the blokes that have done four, five, six, and that in those years it's really obvious. Going from six preseasons to eight isn't a big deal, but going from two to four is huge. Uh, and a lot of them have done played. We, we might have played twenty, thirty, forty games, but fifteen of them were in under shorter quarters, and that just doesn't give you a great fitness base to really attack the year. So, I'm. Yeah, I want to give a lot of those players a lot more time to get their fitness up so we can sort of run out some of these games. We should have won last week up five goals and, and drew, and we were right there with Brisbane, who, as I've said, I think are one of the four teams that could win the flag, and they just ran over us in the last the last quarter, which is, there's no shame in that. Like, Brisbane are a good side. Uh, I'd give North a pass for the effort, Tom, and Brisbane a pass for getting the job done. Cold, wet, tazzy, not really a Brisbane Lions-style uh, preferred conditions, I guess you'd say, uh, but to get the win and get the points and and go home, they they banked the win and they're consolidated in the top four. Yeah, well said. Can't uh, argue with with much. Um, there's a there's an old expression they uh, they use when they're talking about te- good teams in the Premier League, and that's you've got to win those games on a cold Tuesday in Stoke or Bolton. Just those ugly games that you just want to win. This is probably the AFL equivalent of that. Brisbane just need to go down there get the points. Full credit to the Roos there, Seb. That yeah, they were plucky. I mean, noses in front late in that third. Like you said, just a young side running out of gas there. Uh, enjoyed seeing Lukey McDonald running around and, and getting some ball. Your BNF winner from last year, so he'll be better for the run there. Froggy Dumont, he uh, is warming up as well. And yeah, your man Jai Simkin, another thirty possessions. So he he's one to get your uh, get get the number on the back uh, of your memorabilia there. Yeah, look. I mean, all Brisbane's heavy hitters in the midfield lines, McCluggage, Neil, um, just dominant. So, yeah, when their midfield can just sort of save them in a game like this, you'll take it. Uh, I'm with you, Seb. It's got to be a double pass for this one. Um, Just plucky ruse. Lions did what they had to do. That's a pass for me. Yep, yep. No more to dissect there. Uh, The Giants hosted Carlton up up north in Giants Stadium. Yeah. what do you say? This is a typical Carlton game. Came in thinking they might do all right, and well, I mean, it, this is actually a blowout by the blue standards. Usually, it's in that four sort of four goal range, and I mean, halfway through that third quarter, it was looking mighty ugly. I mean, yeah, little little bit of padding of the uh, the stat sheet late, but yeah, I mean, yeah, I agree with you there, Seb. When I mean, we came in, I, I think we sort of had the semi whiff of an update, but yeah, yet again, that's that. Uh, that wanting Carlton to do well rather than sort of taking them uh, on their merits. So um, hugely disappointing game and um, the the pressure just keeps mounting on on Teague. I mean, yeah, Toby Green and we'll probably cover it later in the, in the, uh, this uh, podcast, but that, that barrel, I mean, kicks of the year, that's probably one of the best kicks of the year as a technique. Um, you know, he kicked four, Finlayson five. I mean, you, you get your three from Harry, which which is a rare shining light. But otherwise, it was uh, it was sort of slim pickings. And yeah, I mean, for the Blues, you can hang your head on a Matty Kennedy, but you want him to do it every week. And it's just getting harder and harder for the Blues to just put up with this. So the, the drums will beat and the media will come on to Teague and, and he needs wins. So, 
you can't give Carlton anything bar a fail for this. And the Giants, it's a pass. They did what they had to do. Yeah, yeah, it was. Um, it's very well summarised, Tom. I think the media will come loudly for fatigue if they lose to Adelaide. Uh, probably a bit like me and Simon Goodwin. They're going to come loudly and, and clearly. Um, if, if they can't win that at home against Adelaide, who widely tipped to finish, if not on the bottom, second bottom, and they've obviously had a better year than that. Uh, but at home against Adelaide, that's a game you just you just have to win. Backs up against the wall, and uh, I'd be sceptical of them winning that. Uh, in terms of this game, look, it was two goals at three-quarter time. So the Blues were in with a shot and then just didn't fire a said shot. So, uh, like, what do you dive into it? Like, they've paid big money for some of these blokes who I'm going to touch on later when we talk about um, which players have risen in value and high in value and which players are low. I'll give you a hint, it's probably the lower end of the spectrum with the Blues. <laughs> uh, but, you know, I just... Look, that was how you expect. I do like the coning for them. I think they found no, someone there. Agree. No, I fully agree with that. I've been uh, bullish on, on his prospects for, for a while. He, he's looking like he's developing nicely. Not something you say often about the Blues. No. Um, but they just... There's just lots of passengers in there. And, um, you know, even... Doherty's not the same player since those injuries. And... Part of that is very understandable given the nature of the injuries, but like he's out there now playing football. Like there's one shining light in that team being, sorry, two, Sam Walsh, Harry Mackay, the rest can get in the sea. Like they need to, they need to pull their fingers out. I'll give the Giants a a par distinction. It was a good win. It was a really good win, and the Blues can fail, but um. Starting to get a bit fed up with Carlton, and I feel like we're going to keep talking about them because their season's not going the way they wanted. Uh, but, like, if you lower your expectations, this is just, this is what they are. And this is what they will be till they fix their list management side of things. I don't think the coach will have too much say in, in next year if they can't get the right players in the door. Well said. Well said. Uh, on to the Sunday game. It's a big the... game, wasn't it? Throwback to this sort of, the, I mean, yeah, this you you mentioned cliches. The the 80s games of yore get mentioned that often with this rivalry. I mean, yeah, obviously you've got a few incidents in the early 2000s, line in the sand and Matty Lloyd taking out Brad Sewell. But um, this this one had some, some buzz about it, particularly from Bombers fans. They travelled in mass down to Launceston for this one and filled the joint up. It was a one-sided Bombers crowd at this one. Yeah, yeah, and it was really good to see. Um, it started drumming up some talk for that, uh, for a Tasmania to get its own team, and rightly so they should. Um, if you've travelled back in the archives earlier this year, uh, we did a podcast talking about uh, Tasmania should get a side and the Northern Territory should get a side to make it truly national, especially when those two um, states are footy lovers like we've tried to expand into Queensland and New South Wales for the numbers and the population but you've got people in Tassie who love it you've got people up north who love it send the game there and they will come and this was a great example of it uh, it's a good contest not sure about the quality of football but if you're a Bombers fan you're not worried about that 
Um, you've already got a healthy percentage, so you didn't really need to beat up on the Hawks to sort of try and jump into the eight. Um, the Bombers are just going to have to win a hell of a lot more games than they lose and sort of probably go, well, we've got eight games left. So nine games left. Nine They're probably going to have to go six and three, um, maybe even seven and two to, to get in. And they do have a couple of return games against the lower-ranked sides. Uh, but overall, look, there was it was... All about one man. Um, the package, Jakey yeah, Stringer, was, had yeah. probably his best game. The best game I've seen in a Bombers jersey. Yeah, Tell me I agree if there's a, been a better one. Uh, kicked four, just did just about everything, and it was great. You know, he looked really good playing on, I think, a bloke in his third game. So uh, <laughs> it'd be nice if he can stand up and do it against a real side. But, look, he's got the opportunity. Uh, they're playing Melbourne this week, the best defense in the comp. So that'll be... Uh, that'll be a fair measuring stick. Um, Harry Jones, rising star nom, he is showing a lot in his is his second year, Tom? Yeah, second year. Actually, funny you should ask that one, Seb. I went through the, the books. He slipped to pick 30 in the 2019 draft, so plenty yep. of teams could have had a crack, but the Bombers there when it mattered and, and selected him, and yeah, they'd, they'd love seeing uh, that rising star nom come through. Back-to-back, actually, after uh, Cox, I'm pretty sure the week before. Yeah, well, see, I thought after Cox got his nomination, they weren't nominating anyone else, and they were just going to give the award to him because he's the only one who deserves it. I've heard, uh, but I must have got that mistaken. Um, and just to give you an idea of how these Bombers fans go, I've seen a photo on Twitter because he wore the long sleeves, Harry. Well, is yeah, it Harry did. or Harrison? What does he prefer? Well, um, Harrison and Harry for short, I think. Re- really, well, see- yeah. Well. Uh, uh, Look, people on social media were jumping up and down that uh, they were calling Jath CJ. The commentators kept calling him CJ and people were jumping up and down. And then there's a tweet from um, Jackie Reed, who producer for the Sunday footy show and, and boundary writing for 3AW and said, the Hawks media team said he wants to be called CJ. That was at the start of the year. So... Um, I'm just making a point about the nicknames here. No, no. I mean, we, we've got to go with what they... You know, what Brian... Brian Harris, Brian Lake, you know, just go with what they're after. They, they, Jimmy, James Bartell, I mean, yeah. players can get, Exactly. F- players can get funny. Just go with what they want to be called. I mean, yeah, does he want Harrison or Harry? What, what's he liking? I don't know. I'm just making the point. I'm not deciding for him. Just if I'm wrong, correct me. <laughs> but this one Bombers fan has taken the photo of him in the long sleeves and put a photo of uh, Jim or James Hurd in the long sleeves too. So, And I just Jeez. thought... You're putting the cart not just ahead of the horse. You're putting it ahead of the whole, the everything. That was look. He's he's playing really well. Take nothing away from him. Just James Hurd's a bit of a legend down there. Like he's he's the, the man. It's a good point though, because this is the this is the Essendon Carlton Hawthorne thinking that that they're just going better than they are sometimes because they're a big club, but just. It could lead to some of those decisions where you end up in a little bit of a position like the Saints. So, look, just Bobbers, you, you've got some good youth there. Keep building around that. Build your side properly. Don't, uh, don't, yeah. The boy doesn't need uh, the Jimmy Hurd comparisons in his first full year of footy, basically. So, that that that's pretty extreme stuff. Yeah, uh, grade wise, Tom, pass for the Bombers. Yeah, pass, pass for, for the, the Bombers. Yeah, that's pass for the Hawks. They look, yeah, they, I mean they, they p- played well for once. Yeah, they did. I mean, yeah, Bruce, good to see him back on the scoreboard. Uh, you know, they Cozzy kicking goals. Um, yeah, like like you said, Stringer, he he had a match winning game. 
Um, I think I think we've said it all. I mean, yeah, Mitchell and Wingard just racking up the ball. It wasn't anything out of the ordinary, and it wasn't bad. So, yeah, passes all round, I reckon, in that one. Yep, yep, I reckon that's fair. So, we only had five games to dissect, which, you know, normally it was at least six through the bye weeks, and uh, I'm thankful to have a full nine this week. So, we've got some mailbag questions. Do we want to start mailbag now? Yeah, let's get into the mailbag now, and then we'll uh, get into the rapid fire after that. So, firstly, have you seen uh, Ben Simmons is not going to play for our Olympic team? Do you agree with his call or not? That is amazing that you've put that in there because that was actually going to be an out-of-the-box rapid fire I had later on. I I think he should play for the Boomers, maybe just for a little bit of rep repair uh, after his game this week and and just to just build a bit of uh, confidence back into his game. Yeah, yeah, I think he should because how often do you get a chance to go to the Olympics? But um, my sources on the ground over in the US tell me he is enjoying being famous more than he's enjoying playing basketball. You know, he's dating one of the uh, the, the Kylie Jenner. Not too familiar with all that, Tom, but, uh, you know, he's enjoying life as an NBA player, being famous over there and not too worried about his game. But this is, we're not here to talk about Ben Simmons and, and the NBA. We can That can be an offshoot. Uh, <laughs> this is from uh, Blues fan Sticks Kernahan 23 That's his uh. username. Yeah. Uh, Sim, I was talking to him about Ben Simmons, and he said, Simmons' value being at an all-time low right now made me think about this in terms of AFL. Midway through this season, what players in the AFL are at an all-time high value-wise and what players are at an all-time low? So do you want to start negative and come back to the positive? Yeah, why don't we do that? Uh, Yeah, start from the bottom. So you could take this a number of different ways, I guess, because, I mean... You know, I'm looking at players when I did this that I guess have either disappeared off the face of the earth or can't nail a spot in a team that they really should nail a spot in. So um, the t- the first one off the top of mind, and yeah, Blues fans won't like this, but Mark Murphy, I know he's coming to the end of his career and obviously performances, are, you know, we're not expecting them to be as great, but he's running around in the twos and it's just... I feel like even Blues fans sort of want to push him out at the moment. So it's it's not a great moment for him. Maybe I've got this first one. I know he's coming to the end, but uh, I think his stock is at an all-time low. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Uh, I'd agree with it to a point, but he is nearing the end of his career. Yeah, time, look, so low-hanging low fruit early. I just I'm, want to I'm give him a whack on the way out. On I'm, <laughs> I'm all for it. He's a, you know, he's probably... I, th- I believe when he retires, he's going to go off and be a ski instructor because he's a nice little down <laughs> skier. Um, oh, look, we'll keep on the blues because I think there's a few in there. Um, Zach Williams is the obvious one. He's been smashed pillar to post this week, and I hope he responds because he can play good footy, but he's just more interested in collecting his money and running around to try and get a kick at the moment. Uh, certainly not worth the 900 the blues are paying, but there's another one at Carlton who... I think he's real happy that Saad and Zach Williams came to the club this year. Mitch McGovern. Now, he's on 800 or so, we think. And he's not even playing. He can't even get on the park. And when he does, he doesn't do anything. So, I maybe, maybe, like, he's not playing, so no one's talking about it. But I just, 
you know, if, if they could trade him right now, they'd have to throw in a second round pick to get someone to take on his salary. Like that's yep. how that's how far gone he is from the player they thought he might be when he came across from Adelaide. That that's a that's a real sharp one. I like that one. Uh, I'll throw one at you. This bloke was in uh, Collingwood's granny team in 2018, Braden Sire. So he, he was playing in that team and was competing with, you know, your Adams at Trelaw at the time, uh, obviously Pendles. And he, he had his spot in that 2018 granny side, looked like he could take the world on. Can't get anywhere near it. And you'd think this is the year where a youngster could, you know, consolidate a spot in that Pies lineup, given that they've had their issues and you know their their player management and even injury. So he can't get anywhere near it. Uh, obviously, has some footy now, given he could you know get into a, a grand final team and, and nail a spot there. But he's just disappeared off the face of the earth. So he probably will look at the trade table, and I'd say his value is probably the lowest it could be at this point. Yeah, yeah. Look, I. Not a name I'd thought of. And when you mentioned him, it's like, yeah, remember, remember him running around for Collingwood. Uh, and yeah, you like he's not someone you'd think of and he doesn't spring to mind because he's so far out of sight. So he's just not coming up. And if he can't get a game at the moment in Collingwood when they've had to ship out Trelaw and Stevenson and um, Phillips and they're going that poorly, you think they'd be bringing in all the young kids they can find. Uh, yeah, value's low. Um, to give you another one from Collingwood, Mason Cox. I don't know if he's probably ever going to play AFL again. Do you yeah. think he's going to get a game, Tom? No, it's it's not looking that way. I mean, they're liking uh, big Darcy Cameron down there over him, and, and yeah, it's just not looking good. <laughs> yeah, again, in a Pies team that's reasonably thin, and uh, I can't, yeah, it, I don't even know if it, another team will take him. That's probably a conversation for another day, but yeah, that's a really good one. I think his stock is at an all-time low. Yeah, yeah, I think it is, and I think he's done. But he's he's made a fair fair living out of just being tall. Uh, now, there's one player I want to mention, and I know I can already hear the, the the fans screaming about the bias here. But someone who's kicked 63 goals, 61 goals, 64 goals, and then sat out last most of last year being Seb, he was next on my list. He now cannot get a game. Ben Brown. Yep. We've, we've, that's a steal getting a second round pick for him. He can't get a game. Correct. I mean, yeah. I mean, you. I don't know what happened, but all the air was taken. I mean, that year last year just rocked him. All of the air was taken out of him. And then this year was his chance to rebuild. And now he can't get on the park. So, yeah, the, the, he hasn't improved his stock, that's for sure. So <laughs> it hasn't gotten any better. And it's, yeah, probably at the lowest uh, for him at, given the point of his career. Big blokes don't grow on trees. And I don't know, maybe it's just the way Melbourne went earlier in the year when he was still out. Um, obviously, McDonald was on the outer and now has had a ripping year. Uh, but the fact he can't get in when he was, I think he's runner-up in the Coleman twice over that span and kicked more goals than anyone over those three years. Um, you're entitled to a down year. And if ever you're going to have a down year, if you're throwing the circumstances of COVID, um, shorter quarters, uh, obviously the hubs and the travel, and then obviously he's had some stuff personally going on with, with his um, unborn child and all that sort of stuff. You can completely forgive a down year, but you take that time to get healthy and you get healthy and they they bring you back into the side. And I'll, I'll be honest, I've watched a lot of him play. I was watching him play going, 
Yeah, it's not the Ben Brown I used to see. Um, maybe, maybe the game's changed that much with the introduction of the new rules. I don't think it has, but uh, yeah, I think if Melbourne can go back in time, they would keep their draft pick. I like it, Seb. Yeah, next you you, you read me yeah, like a book there. I had him on my list too. Um, I've got a couple that are yeah, again, they're pretty outside the box, but just interesting cases. So you'll probably relate to this one. Dom Tyson has gone from coming into the system as, as a real high pick and hasn't been able to just nail a spot in any of the sides he's been in. And now you sort of have a look at him at the ruse and not getting a game there. That's hugely worrying. Uh, I'll let you get to that. But the other one I've got is actually a bloke that I had sworn had retired. I'm not actually sure what his issue is, but Mark, Mark Hutchings from the West Coast Eagles has disappeared off the face of the earth i can't believe actually when i saw it today that he's still on their list i thought he was off and retired but he, he's still there so the 2018 uh tag or extraordinaire that's what he was in the side to do um it's, it remains on the eagles list so <laughs> he was a ghost to me so for me that that's low stock i forgot he was on this in the system so um a couple there just to uh, go out with yeah mark hutchings i'll be honest tom i've had to look him up uh, to just confirm exactly who he was at this point in his career, but premiership player in 2018, played three games last year. Uh, look, I dare say he will not be offered another contract. Uh, I, <laughs> look, I it's probably fair. I might have gone a slightly deeper dive into this than uh, I, I think maybe our mailbag wanted a few bigger names uh, than Dom Tyson and Mark Hutchings, but um, well, he's I've got off, two off big the ones. I've got two big ones coming, but just on Dom Tyson, he has had no value for quite some time. Uh, Melbourne got a steal when we traded for him. I still cannot understand that. Even if you thought you were topping up for a finals run or a top four run, Dom Tyson was not the player to be topping up with. Somehow everyone knew that except our list management team. Uh, but yeah, I think, I think Dom might be, uh, might be looking for a nice sweet gig in the, the VFL. Uh, this, this is going to hit close to home, Tom. Uh, there's a player down at the Saints named Brad Hill. I think his value's at an all-time low right now. He burst onto the scene, uh, three-time premiership player, went back home to Freo. Although he wasn't his brilliant best in terms of his Hawthorne days, he still played some good footy and has not been able to string any sort of consistency or quality in his time at the Saints on a fair bit of coin too. Can't argue with that. That's completely fair. I didn't look in my own house for these names, so that one's probably bound to uh, come up. And that that look, that's fair. You, you sort of say we paid a price that we got for him out of Frio. What would would we get the same now? You'd say absolutely not. So yeah, I, I'm I'm with you on that one as much as it pains me. Well, there you go. And since you, as you just said, you didn't look in your own house, uh, you won't have this next name, Dan Hanabry. He. <laughs> low-hanging fruit there but oh no nah, fair well, he Hit me. just about won the norm smith in 2012 he was second he, he i thought he deserved it um he was brilliant and now he's come down to st kilda and just he's but he can't get his body right he's played a few games he's just not just not the player he's recruited to be um i'm hoping he has some impact off field leadership wise because otherwise I could think of a lot more fun ways to burn $800,000 every year. Uh, but at all time, though, he was considered like one of the elites back in his time at Sydney. 
Yeah, no, I agree, agree with you there. And look, I don't think if once this contract ends that there'll be additional footy at the end of it. So um, can't argue hasn't, with you there. They both hasn't came been much the... footy during it. Yeah, exactly. And, that, and that's what's killing us. Those last two you mentioned, I, I know we don't want to go into the Saints, but they're two large contracts that are funds that we could potentially have managed elsewhere for other players that could be giving us more. But we'll never know. But yep. Yeah, that's a good couple of ones there, Seb. I cop that one, uh, cop them on the chin, but they're uh, they're there. You got to give them. All right. Do you want to go positive now, Tom? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'll jump just straight in. Stocks at an all-time high. Welcome, Darcy Parish. He could yes, not I be flying him. more than he is now. I mean, I'm seeing articles this week of, of he's in Brownlow talk, so it doesn't get much better than that. He, uh, I mean, he's still to me in the shadow of Clayton Oliver out of that draft, but that's no shame. But he is putting together one of the great seasons and his stock couldn't be higher. And um, the the Bombers are just loving what he's producing in the absence of Dylan Shields. So he's just gone to another level. I don't think you'll find a player whose stock is higher at the Dons. No, it's interesting you say that because after the week game on the weekend, Jake Stringers is at an all-time high. They're talking about he's as good as Dusty. I did see that, although I think the quote out of Gary Lyon was that Dusty does it 8 out of 10 weeks and Jake does it 2 out of 10. But uh, they are bullish on the boy. Yeah, so I've got... I had Parrish on my list. I've got Stringer on my list just based off the weekend. Like, if this question came three weeks ago, Stringer doesn't make it, but it's at an all-time high right now. And I think the list management team at Essen will be smart enough to just go, yep, no, that was great, but... Let's look at it. Let's look at the overall package of your work, rather than just off one I game. Pun intended. There, uh, another one at the Bombers, and well, this is probably paying you as well. But Nick Hind, yeah. um, there's a lot of talk <laughs> about him. And Jeez, there's some list management just, decisions there. Yeah, given he came across for a fourth rounder that the Saints didn't use, so effectively you picked up nothing for him, and he's having an outstanding year, and and was pretty good on the weekend. Um, he just even. When he's when he's breaking lines, things are happening in the game, and whether he's kicking goals or or it's not so much what he's doing with the ball, but just having that speed and impact just changes the way the other team has to defend. And uh, I think every team's looking for someone with that sort of dash. And you know they've they've moneyballed, they've really moneyballed <laughs> here with uh, Saad going off for eight or nine hundred and Hind coming in on. On a decent, uh, on, on a fairly team-friendly deal, I would say, Tom. Yeah, uh, no, that's a good one. Well, I'll jump across. I, I potted them very, potted a couple over there over at Carlton, and I'll give you one that's at an all-time high, and that's Harry Mackay. Oh, yeah. Leading the Coleman. Didn't see that coming. Uh, bit of a one-man show there with his partners in crime and Mitch McGovern not playing, and even uh, Charlie Kernow. Apparently, has been training fine for a few weeks but they still won't play him and I don't know what they're waiting for uh, yeah it's, confu- it's confusing but look uh, while all this uh, storm goes uh, goes around Harry's just gone to the next level and he they signed him up as they should have and yeah he is at an all time prime value right now yeah him and Walsh are the only two who can really hold their head up at the moment for the Blues of the big names um, but without them would they have won what, what, one, two games? Like, they'd be Well, right they don't beat the Frio in that game. That's a, 
obvious one that jumps out with his seven. I think he kicked that day. So yeah, look, yeah. It, it, that's a good one. I like that. I've gone a little out there with my uh, a couple. I've got. Um, there's a bloke that was on the Lions list, got chopped. He's overplaying for Adelaide called Ben Keys. So not a known name, but he has turned into an absolute beast of a midfielder. He's top ten for disposals, top three for tackles. Basically, yeah, a delisted free agent that Adelaide gave a chance to. He was playing run-with roles last year, but he now is a core part of that midfield. He's still pretty young, so he's got good stocks there. Adelaide have turned basically a free hit into now. I mean, I'm not saying they're going to trade him, but he would have supreme value, uh, and given his career, it's at an all-time high. So I've got to put uh, Benny Keys up there. Yep, yep. They love him over there. In Adelaide, um, go the Crom. Uh, they they love him. Uh, I want to talk about let's, let's jump up the ladder to a side at the top. Christian Petrarca. I think yeah. it's at an all time high, and given he signed the seven year, the Godfather deal as they call it, uh, he's cashed in his chips, and uh, he's still playing outstanding footy, and he's probably the second most important player in that team behind Max Gorn. Uh, yeah. Maybe Clayton Oliver in the mix, but certainly top three without too much argument. And uh, he's just having one awesome year, 28 and a half touches, doing all the things we've seen him do, but he's putting it together a consistent year and, and will go close to winning the uh, the Brownlow. I like that one. Nice big name there. Uh, not as big, but another good team in, in the Brisbane Lions. I don't think you'll get two blokes with better value in Hugh McCluggage and Zach Bailey. So... McCluggage has just turned into an absolute midfield machine. His numbers are huge. He's just... The grunt work he's doing and his poise is just something to watch. And Zach Bailey's now added kicking three or four a week to his quality midfield numbers. So that's a little one-two punch. And they're flying for the Lions. And they couldn't be doing better value-wise either. So I like those two boys. Yeah. No, out, outstanding news, Tom. Uh, yeah. Certainly... Certainly all-time high f- for them. Uh, Sydney. Tom Hickey. I yes. would have said Tom Hickey. <laughs> he was in my maybe pile, but I like I like it. Well, I think he's not on an all-time high this week. About six weeks ago, he was on an all-time high. But it's still pretty much still a career high in terms of his previous years. And he's on his fourth club. Uh, an outstanding year for Sydney. And they need him up and firing if they're going to keep they need to keep winning to keep that spot in the eight, and they need him doing that. And if they want to have an impact in a final, um, he's going to be pretty important for them. I uh, like it, Seb. I think, yeah, that, that game against, I think it was the Cats, he just came back and just, I mean, that you know, Cats ruck issues at the time, just went went berserk and, and basically won that game himself. So, yeah, I'm with you. I mean, yeah, he's undervalued wherever he's gone but his very best which we're seeing now yeah is unbelievable so now another good one good good question that one from the mailbag actually i didn't mind that i've got one more yeah all right let's keep going high all time high uh if you thought stringer was getting compared to dusty this bloke toby green yeah he's (laughs) captaining the giants true he's kicked another four if he doesn't play well they don't sniff it and if he plays really well, they have a big six-goal win, like they just did on the weekend. Um, and that that barrel, and I'm, I'm going to ask you about it in rapid fire, but I'm going to talk about it now anyway. <laughs> it was that in my was questions too. It was, yeah. You, you were... strike of a football 
that I have ever seen uh, in terms of uh, in my lifetime. So I've seen some good ones, but that was just it was inside the square and he's hit the fence. Like yeah. that is just unheard of. And I just he's having an outstanding year, and they think they're going to keep him as co-captain next year with with Cornelio, who um, is captain but sidelined at the moment. Uh, but if he, it's a classic saying, Tom, if he was at a Melbourne club, we'd be talking about him all the time. Oh no, absolutely. He, I mean, his value is an interesting one for me. I mean, I think when he cracked his first All Australian as a real youngster, it, it was it was sky high then. And look, he he's, he's shown the quality he's had through uh, through the years since. And uh, yeah, I mean, now that he's basically put the team on his back and he's flourished with a bit of uh, leadership uh, foisted upon him. Uh, yeah, uh, it's a sneaky one, but I reckon, yeah, he is at an all-time high. And and for the listeners out there that didn't see my co-host Seb play, he was the biggest exponent of the barrel I've ever played with. Unleash it from fullback many a time for the Hampton Rovers. So if anyone knows barrels, it's you, Seb, and I'm glad that... Uh, Toby did you proud on the weekend with a massive one there. Well, since you brought it up, when they used to give us those training drills where we had to kick 10 in a row from 30 metres out and you just keep running it, I used to barrel them just because <laughs> yeah, I, I was much more comfortable. So <laughs> I just think the barrels, it's a more beautiful kick. Um, but that was, yeah, look, that was a good question. Um, Blues fan, sticks, going hand 23. Uh, I've got another mailbag here, Tom, from Pat, who has asked... Out of the top 10 teams, and we're going to run through them, which player can each team least afford to lose? As in, who is most important to a long-term injury for their finals campaign? Uh, let's start. Do you want to start? Where do you want to start? The bottom or the top? Yeah, no, no. I like that he said uh, top 10 because part of me thought I was a chance to get the Saints in there, but we're nowhere near that, so that's fine. Let's go from the... Uh, oh, the... Just a game in percentage, Tom. <laughs> yeah, true. And uh, Let's go from the bottom up. So 10th, you've got the Bombers. Yeah, so based on what we just said, uh, I'd probably have Jake Stringer, given that he is so important for them to play good footy. Even though he can be a little bit up and down, what he has done from week to week in terms of his competing has actually been really good this year. And I probably put my hand up and say I didn't rate it as much as, uh, as, much as I probably should have earlier in the year. And... You saw on the weekend, if he plays awesome like that, they're just about unbeatable. When the rest of the side was a bit down, he really pushed them through. Yeah, I'm going to agree with you there, Seb. Um, given, you know, we spoke at the start of the year about the Bombers and their forward line and how that was going to function. And, and uh, yeah, that that being such a crucial part of their game. And he's the central focus of that forward line functioning. So if he goes out, you can't really see them kicking a winning score. They do need his X factor. They do need his two, three, sometimes four. Um, that's a good one. I like that. Yeah, Parry and, should be my number two there. Yeah, I think there's some ambiguity on the Bombers. Um, the next four sides, I think I'm going to go through pretty quick. Um, but Parish has been pretty key to them winning games of footy this year. Yeah, which, which you wouldn't have thought you, you'd say. And, I mean, yeah, they, they did lose Andy McGrath, who, who you could argue was up there. But, I mean, they sort of looked like they were going okay. I know it's only one week, but they were fine without him. Maybe Zach Merritt might be another one. He just accumulates for them. Um, yeah, the next few, I'm um, with you pretty quick. Giants at ninth, 
it's got to be dust. Uh, it's not dusty. I'm thinking ahead. Toby Green. Toby uh, Green. That's an yep. easy one for them. Number eight, Richmond. Uh, yeah, dusty for them. Dusty. Uh, number seven, you've got to go Nick Nat for the Eagles. Yeah. Uh, yes. What do you go, Mc... Josh Kennedy? I was going to go McGovern. Oh, McGovern, yeah. So either end of the ground, I guess. A little guess bit you... harder, but I think Nat knew he's impacted. And with the 6-6-6 rule, he can just tear games open in the space of five minutes. With that forward line, if they can get those clearances, I still think you go Nick Nat, um, but they do yeah. have some key pillars there. Yeah, look, yeah, Kennedy, I guess they do have Darling and um, Oscar Allen, so maybe McGovern there might agree with you there. The Swannies are an interesting one. Um, Isaac Heaney? Isaac Heaney, I mean, he, he has missed games this year and they've been okay. I'm tempted to actually go Luke Parker for them. He's a real inside bull, particularly with a lot of their young kids, and I think they'd really miss that drive, and Kennedy can't sort of do it as he used to as a one-man show, so I'm going to go Luke Parker for the Swans, I reckon. Yep, yep, he's there. Um, Parker, Heaney. Uh, it, it says a lot that we're not saying Franklin. Yeah, exactly, he's gone yeah. would have been Franklin, and hey, our man Papley, he's... You wouldn't want him out with an injury. He's no, no, the heart he's and soul he, of that line. spark for them. Um, Port Adelaide, I guess, take your pick, Wines or or Boak. I know Big Charlie kicks the goals, but as we've seen, he, he has gone missing against some of the top, the top sides. So they really need that engine room uh, firing the power, I reckon. And well, they got a few look, outside types that Wines and and Boak just feed. So if one of them goes down, I, I think that the power will look a little little one paced. Yeah, this might be controversial, Tom, but it doesn't matter. If they play a side in the eight, they're going to lose because they just cannot play well against these sides. Um, Yeah, look, you would say probably Boak, I think, based on his year-round performance. Um, Like, Charlie Dixon hasn't played well against any of the top sides and they haven't beaten any of the top sides except for Richmond. So is that... Like, if, if he's out injured... They can't win those games. So maybe he's the most important, possibly, but not on his form this year. I think Boke's been a standout. Uh, and, yeah, they're, they're, it's tricky, the power, just because like we still don't know what they are and we probably won't all year. And we'll find yeah. out they'll probably lose their first final and that might be all she wrote. And then we'll yeah. say, yep, that's what they were. A side that won plenty of games but just weren't mentally tough enough to, to win a final against a good side. No, I like that one. That's, yeah, I'm still scratching my head about them. Lions are an interesting one. I mean, we saw Lockie Neal, he he missed, and they just sort of kept going, and and now they're bringing him back. So maybe less of an emphasis on the Lions mid for me. I'm thinking if Harris Andrews goes down... He's like uh, the old uh, Jenga tower. I just they I don't see them having a replacement for him. And even if you sort of spread the load of what he brings to the team, it's still going to be pretty thin um, when you're sort of picturing their bottom six. So they can't afford to lose him. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. He's uh, the glue holding everything together back down there. Um, the midfield covered Neil really well, uh, and the forward line has started functioning really well. And I think they can sort of cover. You know, if a Dan or her or Hipwood went down, they still got the other one plus Charlie Cameron. So yep. I think they can, and McStay, you know, sort of been starved of opportunity down there. So I think they can sort of cover that a little bit better than, say, Harris Andrews. The Cats at, uh, at third are a real interesting one for me. So I've, I've got a few different thoughts on who it could be. I mean, I've got one in the front of my mind, and it's Jeremy Cameron. 
Jeremy Cameron, you reckon? See, yep. I, I I was thinking Tomahawk because they haven't played a whole lot of footy without the Tomahawk. So they sort of... I know they weren't flying without Jezza earlier this year, but he, to me, he adds a bit more cream. But Toma is your structural piece. Yeah, see, I think if I'm the Cats... Uh, yes, you don't want to lose either of them. But if Hawkins goes down, I can flip that forward line really quickly to play Cameron as the main tall, Rowan as the second tall, and you've got a really agile and mobile forward line all of a sudden. So you can do a lot of different things with that. Uh, if Cameron goes down, I just the things he's added since he's come back into the side, he's the best forward in the comp. And hands down, I wouldn't take anyone ahead of him. Uh, and... I think everywhere else, Geelong are a pretty well-oiled machine. They've got lots of bodies they can throw through the midfield. Um, you know, you've got Higgins playing most of the year down forward, Dowhouse down forward. They could both easily play in the midfield in a worse side. You know, Higgins would be on the ball for North if he's still there. Like, let's be real. Yeah. Um, and down back, you've got Stewart, Henderson, Blitzarves, uh yeah, Jack you sort of Henry, take your tools. Jasny. I mean, that that was my thinking as well with, with Tom Stewart. I guess it's your classic. If if he was to go down, they do have cover and they do have guys that like playing that role. Yes, they might not play it as well as Tom Stewart, but it won't, I guess, affect the side as much as losing your big forward. And, yeah, we've seen with them without Paddy. You know, obviously Joel does what he does, but he's not in his uh, prime, you would have to say. Um, it, it's definitely that forward line that that's making them tick. So look, you can have Cameron. I'll, I'm happy to have Hawkins. Um, I think we can just agree that, that those two are the the key for the Cats. Yep, yep, definitely. Uh, the doggies. Yeah, they're they're another. They're again uh, an interesting one. I mean, we, we've. We've spoken about their defence, so they probably wouldn't want to get any thinner down there. If they lost uh, Big Keith down there, I think that would, would hurt them. But is it one of their midfield guns? Is it a Bont or McRae? I mean, they both bring... I mean, the, the, McRae in particular brings that, that accumulation and, and that inside toughness, but Bont brings the cream. I mean, are you looking at up forward at a Norton or a Bruce? I don't know if they're quite uh, irreplaceable. Um yeah, it's they're they're a tricky one. I'm I'm sort of on the fence here. I mean, I've got a number. Maybe I'll, I'll look. I'm going to go with the inside man in McRae, given he's a guaranteed Ooh. thirty a week, as we've seen. So it's just one of those dominoes where if he goes, then suddenly Bont's expected to do more. Libba's not playing his natural game. They've got a you know maybe a Dunkley comes in, or or do they bring a Lockie Hunter? It just filters throughout the side. I, I, I'm going to go with McRae on that one. Um, which I know leaves the Bont obviously sitting there, but uh, I'm I'm taking a different angle on this one. Yeah, right. I wouldn't. Uh, I would say a different angle would not be McRae, just for the record. Norton would be the different angle to the Bont, and you saw that on Friday night. Uh, so key to what they're doing, and if he's out and not playing well, they're they're cooked. Uh, but I still have the Bont. If, if that game went another minute, who was getting the clearance and sending it forward? Or who was getting it running to 55 and drilling it? It was the Bont. He, if he goes down, they lose a hell of a lot through that midfield. They've got quality players to cover, but just not the X factor, uh, the intangibles, and just the leadership of the Bont. They cannot cover that. Um, he's just that good. It's it's dusty. Uh, look, Richmond. yeah, I I don't know why I didn't originally go with him. I think I just didn't want to pick you the screamingly the obvious answer. It is look, it is the Bond. I'm happy to go with that. Uh, and we spoke but about the you D's. You went with and, McRae, Tom. 
Nah, I'm going to flip now. Stick I'm going with the it. No, no, nah, nah, I'm flipping. No, nah, it's the Bond. I, I do look. I love the work of McRae. I think he's criminally underrated. I just want to give him some airtime. Um, I'm going to be 180 on that one. Uh, the D is at the top. I think you set it off the top. Um, it's got to be Max Gorn for them. Yep. He he's massive. Yep. Um, just run, runs that side. I mean, yeah, he, he drifts down back, takes the marks down the line. He's their option down the line going forward as well. Gets Clayton Oliver, Christian Petrarca their ball. He does everything, so they can't lose Maxi there. Uh, given, uh, yeah, they'd have to probably have a, a weed or uh, I'm not even sure who they have it coming up through the ranks now that big Prusy's left. But, but who who is the D second ruck is a question. I Luke don't know. We have, well, yeah, exactly. So inexperienced. Um, yeah, you you've got to keep Maxi on the park if you're a D supporter. Yeah, no question. It's Max and yeah. Yeah, some of those were easy. Some of those were a bit more difficult. But Max is just not just the importance of the Ruckman, the importance of your captain, the way he's managed to straighten up that whole club. And maybe you don't give him credit for all of that. But they've had a few different leaders there and they've still been a bit of a schmozzle. But they're really, really firing this year and and full credit to him. Uh, So we've answered that part of this question. But there's a two-parter, Tom. And this is I'm really keen to get your answer here. A real, like, honest answer. Which team do you think is closer to being competitive in a final? St Kilda or North Melbourne? Competitive in a final. Yeah. Nah, Saints. Unflinchingly. Given that we we have structured our list so that we were ready to compete this year, now that hasn't worked, but you still would think next year or even the year after we would still be in this little range that we're in, either knocking on the door or trying to consolidate a spot in the eight. So, you know, I, I could I could see us in the finals next year and the year after. I'm, I'm, I'm probably, you're probably saying biased in one sense, but I think as well, the Ruse probably th- maybe three years off being competitive in a final at least. Uh, you, you've still probably got your core of your list probably in that sub-23, 24 range and uh, and a few more years into them and I think you'll find they'll, they'll jump back up. I mean, look, th- these questions are crazy given that, I mean, we could go all in Geelong style and, and try and recruit a few. I'm not saying that's going to happen, but you, you don't know sort of how list managers think, but you'd think the timelines we're both on that we could still win a final and be, yeah, can be competitive in a final before your ruse journey starts or begins or reaches that point. So I'm going to stick with us. I'm, I'm backing us in. Uh, good answer, Tom. Uh, I'm going to be biased and say North and for reasons which I'll go into in a little bit. Uh, would you be willing to do a head shave bet on that, that North will win a final before St Kilda? <laughs> there's a, there's a, a want of our listening body to shave my head. I've got... Flowing locks, and I wouldn't mind keeping them. Let me sleep on it. All right, so there's no conviction there. If I change the question to who is closer to winning a premiership, does your answer change at all? And not not closer, meaning we got to sixth, we were closer. I mean, who do you think's going to win their premiership next? Look, that now that that's a fair question because, you know, I mean... You'd have to have a look at what happens with the Saints here. If we completely bomb out and you know realize our list is a top six list and that was its peak, 
then we're looking at a rebuild and we're starting behind you. So there is an argument that, yeah, if we if we bomb with what we're doing now or we can't rebuild and fix it on the run and get it to where we need to, that we're going to have to do the whole go back and start from square one thing, which would put us behind you. But I, I don't know if we're quite as bad as we've been this year. Maybe hanging on to some hope there. I still think we've got some great pieces, some great young pieces um, that, that can, yeah, be competitive and more um, going forward. We just need to, I guess... Just work out what went wrong this year and fix it. So I don't know if that rebuild will happen, so I'm going to still back the Saints in to get to that premiership before your boys. But, uh, yeah, I think that's a fair answer. Again, I'd love to wager with you, but I'm not sure if you're agreeable on the stakes. So we'll just leave that. But I'd, I'd say north of... I'd look at that bottom eight, and I think what north have done, and this is completely biased, but... I'm 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 going to do it while we're down and out. I think we're closer than Hawthorne, Gold Coast, Collingwood, Carlton, St Kilda, Adelaide to a premiership just based on the players we've um, brought in over the last year. Mid-season draft this year, we're going to have picks later in the year. Uh, I just think it will all come together pretty quickly in a couple of years, and that is potentially blind optimism. But that's what <laughs> that's why we're footy fans. Fans short for fanatic, uh, uh, and that's where my belief lies. Uh, there, there you go, listeners. The the ruse are on the way to a flag. There'll be a few out there that'll enjoy hearing that, and we want to hear what you think about our answers to any of tonight's uh, or today's uh, work as you as you listen to this one. Uh, Twelve rows back. Get us on Insta, Facebook, text us, message us. We're happy to answer it. Uh, we want your thoughts. Uh, particularly you Roos fans, given Seb's guaranteed you're on the way to a flag now. Um, Should we get into the rapid fire, Seb? Yeah. It's been a big night. We've covered a lot of turf, but I've still got a few that I want to get to you. Yep, fire on. Fire away. All right, off the top. So we we did mention him before, Mark Murphy. I think he's stuck on 295 games. If you're Carlton, do you get him to 300 or does he have to earn his 300? Where, Where do you sit on that? I get him there. You get him there? Yep. Yep, I think you get him there. He's been a great servant of the club. Uh, he's, if you want to purely look at the future and, and decide he's too old and we'll play some of the kids, um, just who who are the kids? Like, what does it mean to gift them a game over Mark Murphy? You might as well gift them to your club veteran legend 300. I'd get him to 300 and then say, thanks, you can retire early. Um, uh, certainly won't be offering him any further contracts, but I'd get him to 300. It, it, it's a way to then go to players you're trying to recruit and go, look, we look after our own. We got Murph. Murph was pretty much done, but we got him to 300. We'll do the same for you. Like, we look after our players. It goes both ways. That's also part of the messaging. Yeah, it, interesting take. I mean, yeah, I, I'm someone that I guess, I mean, 295, I think that five games is a lot of nursing. I think if he was sort of 297, 298, you, you could sneak him in for three. I mean, I don't, I don't want to see him as a medical sub so that he kind of gets a few that way. If you're going to do it, do it properly. Um, but yeah, look, probably not a bad message to give him a farewell tour. I, I probably I probably say he's got to earn it though. So, so yeah, sorry, Berth, but I, I hope he gets the 300. I'd love to see him. I mean, he had 27 in the VFL this week, so he might not be too far away. So he might get there. He's got, what, nine games left, needs five. Uh, it might be a nice way to go out, as you say. 
Yeah, I think there's some players who probably don't deserve their spot in the side. Uh, I want to flip it out uh, west to my favourite state, Perth. Uh, Willie Rioli, let her come back and train with the club. That's great. That's great news for them out there. Um, great for him as well, just to be back around that environment. Do you reckon he'll get a game this year? Well, the Eagles have had their uh, injury issues. Uh, well, look, without knowing what, what state or physical yeah physical state he's in, I mean, if he's been running and, and keeping his AFL fitness and, you know, I mean, he is a quality talent. We've, we've seen it. He's been unbelievable for them. Him and Fine Ryan down there as the Smalls are unbelievable. I mean, they have found a couple of others, though. The Eagles in that time, Petrocelli jumps to mind. Um, look, if if he's fit and is AFL standard uh, and AFL fit and ready to go, I'd say bring him in. It, it'll cause some sort of... Well, it'll be, there'll be headlines, but it'll be for one game and then they'll go away. So uh, I, I'd say, yeah, you've got to roll the dice. He's a quality player. They need all the quality on the puck, they can get the Eagles as they try and get out of that bottom half of the top eight. Yeah, I tend to agree, but I don't think his fitness will be there. So I don't think you can bring him out underdone, personally, um, if you're all serious about winning finals. Um, it, it's just so hard for him to come off not being able to train and be around everyone. And um, I don't know what sort of shape he's in, but given he had that incident with the, uh, the drugs on the plane... Uh, I don't think his head's been full on training over this time, and that's part of that's fair enough. Like he's human, um, I'm not going to bash him for that, but I just don't think he will be able to get there. Having said that, injuries they play a part. So if there's a spot there, it's great to have him back on the field. No, I like that one, Seb. I've got one for you, and you might have to just cast your uh, mind back a little bit into uh, later last week. I just want the so two players were re-signed. Big. Big name players for their clubs. Zach Merritt, huge deal for the Bombers, signed him up. And obviously we spoke before about big Harry Mackay for the Blues. Which signature was more important to their team? Merritt for the Bombers or Mackay for the Blues? That is that is a tough one, Tom. I am in... I'm in two minds. Uh, Harry's was extremely important to have a player leading the Coleman. Uh, you don't want to let him just up and walk from your club. Uh, but Zach Merritt, not only is a leader of that club uh, and a good player, when you've had Saad say he doesn't want to play and Danaher say he doesn't want to play there and walk out, and now you've got Merritt questioning it, you don't want to have that start to become a trend. And I think if he started yeah, walking, you, you really one. don't want that happening. Uh I'll say, how's this? I'll say Merritt, because Carlton are that irrelevant. Whether Harry stayed or didn't, I don't think he's going to change their fortunes over the next <laughs> one to two to three years. That was as well answered as I could have thought for that one. I mean, yeah, that the cultural angle is a brilliant one for the Essendon. I mean, I, I was just, in pure football terms, it, it's so much harder to replace a big key forward that's playing well, and, and he's one of the best in the comp, given where he is in the Coleman. So it's massive for, for Mackay. Um, but yeah, those cultural players, I know, uh, you know, it, it tore at the fabric of the Saints when you sort of had Del Sano, Goddard, uh, even McAvoy at a bit of a stretch walk out. You, you don't want to lose that. The Suns, what's happened to them, losing all those quality names. I like that angle on it, Seb. I'll, I'll jump on you, Merritt, as well. Are you you're coming with me? Yeah, I'm coming with you. All right. Now, come with me here. Toby Green's barrel. I may have mentioned it. Um <laughs> Is it the best barrel of the modern era? Ooh. 
That's a, a good question. I, I don't know why immediately to my head popped the old uh, Mitch Duncan one against the Suns earlier this year. I mean, that was a good one, but this was flush from inside the square, as you said, yeah. hit, the, hit the fence. Daniel Bradshaw's barrel when he was playing for Sydney against Brisbane on the three-quarter time siren comes to mind. Yeah, uh, that that one actually, that for the angle and, uh, yeah, given it was after the siren, you're going to call me biased for this one, but Back in, I think it was 03 or 04, uh, big uh, Brennan Goddard unleashed one from inside the square at Subiaco, Saints v Frio. That was one of the larger barrels I've seen for length. Um, I don't know if you include this in the modern era, but there was a day down at the Cattery where Ben Graham launched one past the centre circle, which just as a distance barrel was pretty impressive. Probably not as much given it you know, wasn't a goal or anything like that. Um I mean, the 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 goat, I guess, to use that term of uh, of barrels, has got to be Blighty winning that one after the siren. I think it was against the Blues back in the seventies. Uh, he just unleashed it from basically the wing, and it went through. But uh, modern era, yeah, look, it's probably up there. I might I might have to uh, over the week jump into YouTube and find some highlights and give you some more candidates. But it was a great exponent of the barrel. You might have to, because I don't reckon Brendan was inside the square when he kicked that one. Oh, well, any uh, excuse to watch uh, Saints YouTube highlights I'll do, I'll jump back into that one for you. I think Anthony Rocker's got a couple of claims as well, but um, it's certainly up there with one of the more memorable ones. Oh, absolutely. I, I We'll have that one on repeat. Um, I've got just a Tassie-related one for you. Are you, I mean, COVID aside... Are you annoyed at the trot, uh, the run, sorry, that you've had uh, the Kangaroos with teams down in Tassie? So the Hawks game down in Tassie, yes, it was moved, but it's against Essendon, Victorian opponent. They fill the joint. You've had, through no fault of your own, you've played the Giants, Lions, and now playing the Suns down there this week. It's not helping you down in Tassie in building a little following there. I mean, there's not a whole lot you can do, but surely that's a frustration for you as, a, as the Kangaroos. Uh, not really. I mean, we had to play. We had to play them somewhere, and at least this way we had some crowd and some money come in. Uh, yeah, it's not not a concern of mine that those games were sent down to Tassie. Like, we'd, we'd, it'll just help build the following. We're there again this weekend, and just keep them coming. All right, slickly answered. Uh, Dustin Fletcher, another proponent yeah. of the barrel. Did against the Saints, I'm pretty sure. There was a ripper from inside the square. I can tell you yeah. that one was from inside the yeah. centre square. May or may not have highlights on my other screen here. <laughs> just, just checking it while we uh, while we go. Uh, I really want to get your thoughts on this one, Tom. Uh, is Joel Selwood just a thug disguised as a courageous captain after his stomping and, and head-pushing incidents on the weekend? Nah, look, this will sound wrong given my history with the Cats, but look, not proud of what Joel did there, and I'm sure he's not proud of it either, but he is one of the all-time most courageous on-field players. He's put himself in that many positions where his body shouldn't go over the years. Uh, yes, the ducking is annoying and we don't like him doing that, but he, he, the saying, put your head over it, is just that's just the way he plays. So I've got no issue with it. I, I'm happy. I mean, I'm not happy with what he did over the weekend, but I I think his reputation stands. He is a hard, fair, tough player. So uh, I'd have to disagree with you there, Seb. Hey, you told me to ask this one, Tom. I'm just I'm just spitting them out. 
so do you think he's just that clumsy after 300 games that he steps on people and just pushes their head into the turf? No, look, I, I wasn't defending what he did on the weekend. I'm just saying it, it's not enough to change my opinion of him um, from from a couple of cheap shots on the weekend. Jeez, you haven't bitten. I thought you were going to bite at that one. No, yeah, you, you would have thought. But no, look, there's some players where you just shake your head and you're like, geez, they're, they're just always... They're just too good. Buddy, obviously, is one of them. Gazza. I found watching some of Joel's stuff and even Scotty Pendlebury at times, you're just like, geez, they just don't make mistakes or they just get to that contest or they just do things and you're like, how did that happen? And he's one of them, Joel. So, look, probably a little soft spot for him. And I think uh, he broke the record with Tomahawk for the most wins as a pair over the weekend. So there's another shout-out for him. He'll like that one. And feel free to come on the show at any stage, Joel. We know uh, we've got mates in at the club. We would love to have you in. We'll ask you anything. Yeah. Uh, I can't wait for the day Joel comes on. <laughs> I hope they don't show him that clip we just recorded. Yeah, true. Um, well, we spoke about Ben Simmons before. I was going to ask you about the Olympics, but we went there before, Seb. But uh, it, look, it, it is one we can relate to in our sport is, you know, what do you do when you've got a fantastic player and, what can you do to build a player's confidence when they've had probably a game or a final where they're not proud of the efforts? What what would be your go-to in terms of building a young player's confidence after that kind of thing? Well, look, if you had a relationship with an ex-player and uh, saw him as a bit of a mentor, like as a club, I'd let that player come in and help him. Yeah, that <laughs> walked straight into that. There you go. I asked you that one for, the, to- for you there, Seb. <laughs> <laughs> don't steal my lines to extend that out I would um, I get some legends of the club or even just well respected figures around the club they don't have to be legends just to come down and go hey like I went through this this is what I did this is how I worked through it um, why don't you try this and, and just just break it down because footy's all above the head well sport elite sports it's it's 10% what you can do athletically and 90% above the shoulders uh, so break it down, and it's actually really simple at times. you just got to do the simple things right. Um, and if you can start doing that, suddenly you get your hands on the footy, you'll get more confidence, you'll start kicking kicking goals, and it just changes. It'll change the way you see the game, despite the fact you might, from the outside looking in, be doing the same sort of thing. Uh, so I think, I think bringing someone down who's been through that experience will really help someone. Yeah, no, I fully agree with you there, Seb. I mean, yeah, I would say... Simplify it, bring it down to what what do you love and what do you enjoy about the game, get that enjoyment back. When the confidence isn't high, uh, you know, things can seem worse than they are. So it's just about simplifying it. What do you enjoy about the game? What do you know that you can do well? And just finding that inside yourself. Uh, nice little reflective one there. Yeah. Um, I, I want to get your honest opinion here. So I'm looking at the sides from 14 to 18th. So the Saints are not involved in this exercise Carlton Collingwood Gold Coast Hawthorne North Melbourne if you had to rank them based on form right now how do you how would you sit them yeah good that is a that is a great question form wise <laughs> it's a nice little way to get your ruse on the, on the top of some sort of ladder you probably are in in the best form out of those teams um Although you could argue, I mean, Collingwood have had a good last couple of weeks given that they uh, beat the D's and and uh, beat Adelaide the week before. So I might go Collingwood, North, 
Jeez. Hawthorne, Carlton, Suns. I'll take it, Tom. Like, yeah, just yep. just run with it. No, look, you are flying the ruse. It's been a long, tough year, but, I mean, yeah, this year it's two to three quarters, next year four, and then we're, you're flying off the way to that flag that you promised us earlier. So, no, good, good signs. Good signs after you pushed the top four team last week. End. Yeah. Oh, look, I just wanted to sneak that in there just to see... Just to see what you'd what you'd give me, uh, but look, if you want to see North on the top, just have a look at the draft order. We are flying in that regard. Uh, have you got anything else for me, Tom? No, I'm happy with that. Good, good rapid fire segment. Good questions uh, today. I thought. All right, I've got I've got one for you. It's a did you know? Little fact for you. Did you know Adam Saad is statistically having a better year this year than he was last year? Where? What are you measuring that on? Just. Well, the shorter quarters help. The shorter quarters help. Like I'll throw that one out there, but he's averaging more disposals, more clearances, uh, more running bounces, all these sorts of things. But he's being hammered from pillar to post because Carlton are paying him so much money. I just thought it was interesting. Yeah, <laughs> that is an interesting take. And I guess, yeah, it's it's funny because you know you get drafted to the club thinking that's what he'll do. Well, he is actually doing what they brought him to the club for, but... Maybe that's on the Blues coaching department that they're not getting the, I guess, result out of all those possessions and, and running bounces and clearances that they need. So, yeah, a little pressure yeah. on Teague. It, it continues. If you add on 20%, he ends up about the same numbers, which still is a bit shocking when you think he's been hammered this year and last year Essendon had to keep him. Like, it was paramount that they kept him. Um, just thought that one was interesting. Nice little uh, one for the Blues fans out there. Well... I'm, I'm massive show, massive round coming up. I mean, we say it every week. We're going to learn more, and the the ladder positions. We've got a couple of absolutely juicy games. Make sure you listen into our best bet segment later this week to get all your tips uh, and best bets from us. Uh, and we thank you for the ongoing support. And as we say, if you enjoyed tonight's episode, give it a a, a review and share it with a friend uh, through iTunes and Spotify. Yeah. Well put, Tom. And just before we go, I just want to... I know we discussed this on the weekend and I just want you to give me give me the answer here. A little bit of trivia. So if you're playing at home, try and answer this one. Who was the first player to receive a premiership medallion in a West Coast jumper? That is a great, great question. I, I pause there for the, for the listeners out there. Do you want to hit them with the answer? Oh, no, you, you, can, you can run with the answer, Tom. Jeez, it's a great you... get if you've got this. You did tell me on Saturday, and I might have already forgotten it. Was it uh, was it Ben Allen yep. from from the year before the Hawks saluted? Then he yep. went on to play for the Eagles. That's it. That's it. The little jumper swap. So he collected his, his medallion in the West Coast jumper the year before, which is uh, n- not so well known trivia, but we're putting it out there now.